podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. What's up, Knight fans? Sons of UCF is proudly presented by the law firm of Gordon and Partners. Since 1993, Gordon and Partners have been dedicated to the pursuit of justice for those who have been wrongfully injured at no fault of their own. It's important that you get legal advice from somebody you trust, so contact UCF alum Michael Hoffman directly if you have any legal needs or questions. Visit their website, fortheinjured.com, or text 407-913-5350 to talk to Michael directly. Don't just trust anybody. Trust the best. And trust a knight. Gordon and Partners. For the Injured. This is the Sons of UCF, the number one place for UCF sports. With your distinguished host, Adam. You called somebody Cheetos. Who, who is Cheetos? And Mike. I don't like going to petting zoos. Now, here are the guys. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the Sons of UCF episode number 221. We are brought to you by Gordon and Partners. We are part of the 1012 Network and the Sports Strength family of shows. My name is Adam, and as always, my friend and yours, coming this week with notes, as far as I understand it, is Mr. UCF Mike. How are you, friend? Here they are. Here's the notes. Look. Quick sneak peek. Mm. Uh, you couldn't see anything. Um, I'm doing okay. Doing pretty good. How's everything over there? I know you had a nice, long UCF-filled weekend up in Orlando, right? Up there for the golf tournament, up there for the spring game. Did you stick around for the yard sale? You did everything, the whole nine yards? Celeste, not do the, uh, Celeste was done. The yard sale was not done. Everything else that you mentioned there was checked off. We're going to get to all that, Mike. I got a bunch of stories and a bunch of stuff I can talk about. So spring game recap. Um, I'll talk a little golf tournament. Uh, we should talk a little baseball. Obviously, that's been in the news. We have a recruit that'll be in school the same year my daughter will be in school. I guess we can talk about that. And uh, we've got Cow of the Week. We have a full packed agenda. Again, just an Adam and Mike show tonight. No guests this week. Although we've got a bunch of people uh, who are interested in joining the show. Mike, I will tell you off the top, being at the golf tournament with a, um, a just a, a horde of UCF um, football legends and celebrities uh, a lot of folks were asking about the show, how to be on the show, how to get on the show, uh, agreed to come on the show. So my hope is, I'm not jinxing this, my hope is we'll have a good list of, uh, of guests in the near future, Mike. So all that's to come. Spring game, though, I know you didn't see it, Mike, but you followed it on social media. I'm sure you saw some of the clips and whatnot. So we can get into a little bit of the spring game um, off the top of the show, Mike. What did you see? Based on, so you weren't there, so I'm curious your opinion. You can only read what you read from Twitter, see the videos that were posted, you know, read message board stuff. What did, what were your takeaways from the spring game, just based off what it is that you saw or read from afar? I saw a few highlights. I'm kind of disappointed. I did. I was hoping to get at least like a three-minute video of highlights mm. and a box score. It's really all I wanted. And I, I saw a box score, which was confusing, by the way, because they have the it's, it's all wrong. Yeah, it's got to be wrong. Teams. Yeah. I, I couldn't understand what was going on there. I saw a couple of highlights, a couple clips. I saw the long touchdown pass from Plumlee to was it Kobe Hudson. Yep, I saw so about another 35-yard touchdown pass that Plumlee threw. I, I saw a Tommy touchdown pass. I think yes. I saw – was it RJ Harvey run one in from like 25, 15 yards, yeah. something like that? Yeah. That's basically it. I think I saw more highlights of the stuff afterwards. You know, the Citronaut racing against the horse. Um, <laughs> who was it that threw the Was it Kobe Hudson again or Baker or somebody, one of the receivers that threw the ball 65 yards? 
64. saw that. Yep. Yep. So I saw more of that than I saw of the actual spring game. But you were there. I was. I can confirm. Yeah. Um, so, you know, game itself. So for those who weren't there, and obviously, um, you know, you can live vicariously through what I can share with you here. So the game broke down. There was two 12-minute quarters. And it was offense versus defense. So basically the offensive teams just kind of rotated first unit, second unit. I believe the defensive teams did the same as well. Mike, the game started off, the defense was up 21 nothing. So before we snapped the ball, 21 nothing defense. And obviously the scoring works as normal for the offense. Score a touchdown. I guess you could go for two or kick a field goal. And for the defense, you got three points for any turnover forced. So they were paying basically, playing basically 24 minutes with a 21 nothing cushion um, for the uh, for the defense. By the time those 24 minutes had ended, the offense had actually taken the lead, but it was pretty close there until until the end. So that was the initial setup, Mike. Um, and it was Citronauts versus Knights. Uh, the quarterbacks were not live. I know people ask that question a lot. Quarterbacks were not live, so they were not uh, they were not being hit. There was a coach who was essentially kind of mining the backfield. And honestly, he was a little bit liberal with a sack. Someone basically touched the quarterback. He blew the whistle and, and called the play dead, which is probably good practice. But I assume in a real game, quarterbacks could have broken out of that. Uh, as as well, I don't know if you know this, Mike. Did you know this? I don't know if you saw this. John Rice Pumley played a baseball game first. Did you see that or have you heard anything about that? <laughs> I did see that. Did pretty well, right? He had a bases clear yeah. triple, then uh, ran off the field, was escorted via golf cart over to the football stadium, got dressed. Went out there and scored uh, through a couple touchdowns. All right. I got to stop right here for a second. Before I get into the spring game, I got to stop with the entire Plumley theatrics. Universally, Mike, everybody has lauded JRP for what he's done for that whole thing. Is there any part of UCF Mike is going to rip anything JRP did there? Is any look at me, Louie, there? Or are you all good with the the tunnel running, the, the golf cart, my dog Kenny, all the videos? Are you good with everything from the baseball to football transition for JRP? Yeah, you knew they had to document it pretty well. You, if they didn't do anything about it, I think they would have missed an opportunity there. It's, it's good marketing for him and the program, football and baseball, and for future recruits. Hey, if you want to come play two sports, we're a, a university that will allow you to do that. Not every school is going to do that. I think it was, it was a good commercial for UCF. Uh, and, and he had success on both fields. It's not like he struck out three times and they yanked him. You know, or he, he made a couple errors in center field. He was having a good game. The, mm-hmm. the baseball team was winning handily and they allowed him to leave and go take part of the football. All right. Well, you were the only person on earth that I thought actually would rip him for anything and you have not. So universally JRP is beloved for his antics and, and Mike, look, it was, it was really cool, right? I imagine as an athlete, as a, as a parent, as a, as a player on the team, that's a pretty cool double header, I guess, if you want to call that to pull off and, uh, obviously, uh, kudos to JRP for continuing to keep up with baseball and football. To your point, I mean, he's he's been a productive member of the baseball team, had a productive game that night, and then stepped on the football field. So all that was cool. But before he got there, it essentially was um, Thomas Castellanos and then Timmy McLean were rotating on first-team offense, and then obviously they were playing against defense. And then when JRP got there, he sort of kind of stepped in. And, uh, and we didn't see Timmy McLean very much after that. I'll get back to that in a second, Mike. I've got three takeaways. Are you ready for my three takeaways? Yep. Go ahead. Number one, Demarcus Bowman is legit. He had an early fumble. wasn't great, but he came back, had a couple of explosive runs. Um, we mentioned the skills competition. He actually won the fastest night in the skills competition. Um, he, had, he had a couple of good runs. 
Uh, he, he averaged, if I'm doing my math, he averaged about 10 yards a carry, which probably doesn't you know, bode well for our defense, Mike. But he kind of reminds me a little bit of a cross between Adrian Killens with the speed and then the late Otis Anderson with kind of body type and, and sort of explosiveness. He seemed like when he got open field, he had that kind of AK level speed. And obviously you saw that if you saw the, uh, the 40 yard dash race that he held, but he also had a little bit of the body type, more of an Otis Anderson. He's not as small or as frail as AK was, but he's got a little Otis Anderson body type. I think he's got a little mixture between the two of those guys. Um, and he, he's legit, Mike. He's, he's everything we thought he was going to be. We've heard his name a bunch, I think, and, and preseason early fumble didn't, didn't make you feel good, but he, he sort of rebounded. Like, I think we've got a really dynamic running back weapon in Demarcus Bowman, how we're going to use him. I don't really know, but I think we've we've got a good weapon in Demarcus Bowman. He seemed like he was legit. You love the the speed, the talent, and all the stuff you mentioned, but that fumble, and hopefully it's not it's not part of his game. That's something you cannot have. You can't turn the ball over. So as long as it's not something that's happening on a consistent basis, it's once a season, maybe, you can let it go. But it happened already. Well, how many? What was it the first carry of the game? Second carry early on. In the- it was it was really early in his time in the game. Yeah, it was second, third carry, somewhere along those lines. It was pretty early on. I mean, he tucked it in after that. How many more carries did he get after that? Another seven, eight. I think he finished. If this math is right, I think he finished with six total carries. If that if that's right. Um, but here's the great thing of a spring game, Mike. Great play by the defense. It was a great defensive play. Somebody, I don't know who, because I don't, the stats I, I think are pretty crappy, but um, somebody got their hand in there and raked the ball out. So great play by our defense, Mike. We win no matter what, but I agree. Obviously, he has to protect the football, but I think for all of the um, hype about him, everything we've heard about him, he, I mean, he seemed pretty legit, Mike, on on first glance. Again, I, I think maybe a mix between an AK Otis Anderson type, which – we haven't seen a dynamic running back like that in probably a little bit. So I think he he obviously will be a weapon for us. You know who was a very good running back for us? Uh, made some very explosive plays, but did have a bit of a fumbling problem? Storm Johnson. Sure. Storm Johnson was a little bit of a fumbler himself, especially that flo- uh, the Cal game at the end of the year. But he turned the ball over a couple times. So I think even in the uh, Fiesta Bowl, I think he may have fumbled it once. So – you know, but but it was worth it because of the plays that he could give you. Some some of the, he can break a touchdown from almost anywhere on the field. If you can get that kind of stuff out of this kid, then it might be worth it. If he fumbles here and there, but I can't take too many fumbles. That, that's a backbreaker. Yeah, yeah. To be, he's nowhere near as big as Storm Johnson, and I think he's certainly faster than Storm Johnson. So Demarcus Bowman, I think, will be a real deal player for as Gus would say, he's a real football player, Mike. I think he's a real football player. Takeaway number two. The defensive line, when that core group was in, I guess the core four, the starting four, and I don't think Traymon Morris Brash played. Ricky Barber did not play. But when that first group was in there, Mike, in that first couple of series, they were, they were pretty dominant. I think we've heard that the D-line is going to be the strength of the team. Uh, we saw Kaven Call, a true freshman, out there a bunch. Lee Hunter had a bat at pass on that first drive. John Walker got a bunch of run. Um, I think that first, Matt Alexander, I think as, as a kid, people are, are – you know, are not really thinking about him a ton, but he had a great year last year. That D-line early on, Mike, looked pretty stout. Now, obviously, the running game kind of took over later on, but that, I think that first couple of drives when it was kind of ones-on-ones or good-on-goods, um, the D-line came in really early, set the tone, um, did a nice job. I think we will be okay in the D-line again. Not everybody played. Um, some people are nursing injuries, but I do think that we've talked about the defense and what the strength of the defense will be. I think it's pretty clear it's going to be our defensive line. 
Was John Walker starting? Was he, he was with the ones? We don't know. I don't know if he was the first. It was really hard to tell. I don't know if he was on the on the first unit out, but he was obviously he got a ton of a ton of playing time. Now you say they started with twenty one points on defense. They ended up with like forty two. And they got Yeah, but you got a fact so after the end of the half, then they did this skills competition and there were points for every punt, every throw. So there was two points for every contest after that. So at the end of the half, I want to say it was like 20, 28, 27, I think if my math is right, because it should have been we had two turnovers on defense. Plumley threw a terrible pick. And then the Bowman fumble it should have been 27. And then it was 28 because there were four touchdowns. I think it was 28, 27 offense at the half. And then they threw in all the extra points and all the other stuff after that, after that. But if you want to look at just real football, um, offense essentially won by a point. Okay. That makes more sense because I saw that other like 42, 43 score. I didn't know what that meant. Yeah. Um, but I guess. And to be fair, the offense left points on the board, two missed field goals. Colton Boomer did not play. Obviously, still nursing an injury. Grant Reddick, the true freshman, missed a 50 plus yarder. And then Riker Casey missed a 30 something plus yarder as well. So, offense also had six points that they left on the board. So, in theory, they could have potentially won by more. But in the actual gameplay time of 24 minutes, it was 28 27. Well, so they missed. Twice as many field goals as Boomer missed all of last year in, w- yes. in one half of football. That's not good. It's not <laughs> Boomer great. doesn't it's stay not great. Healthy. So uh, let's hopefully he's uh, ready to go by the fall because he seems to be the one kicker we can trust on this roster so far. Uh, and now Reddick is a true freshman, you know, and you said 50 it was, plus yards. It was a 50 plus yard. It was a, it was a, it was a tough kick. I think it could have, it could have been better, but was it yeah, short clearly... it was way wide. Short. Like short. Yeah, he's a big <laughs> kid too. He's a he's a big dude. So, uh, true freshman though, nerves, first kick. I, I mean, I'm not going to fault the kid, but yes, uh, obviously we leaving leaving six points on the board. And I think we now know why Riker Casey handles kickoffs. Um, you know that he's he's actually really good at that, Mike. He, he you know he was somebody who often um, you know had a high touchback ratio last year. I think that's pretty obvious why. Obviously, we need we need to get Colton Boomer on the uh, back on the field. He was on the field and dressed um, in in jersey, no pants. We had pants on, but no football pants. And um, at least I think he had pants on, but he did not have the walking boots. So I think he must be healing. But obviously, smart to keep him out of the game. Now, did they do kickoffs like normal, or no? They just spotted the ball. Just spotted the ball. They did punt as normal, um, which was really just fair catch. Um, and the long snapper ran down and just kind of, you know, faked a, uh, a tackle, if you will, but, um, but, but no live play on, on any special team outside of uh, field goal. All right. I mean, that is an area that I've been wanting to see a lot of improvement on is special teams. It's a big part of the game. I'm, I'm sure they practice it in practice, but to see it live would have been nice. You know, maybe we can have uh, a nice kick return at some point again. We haven't had one in forever now, it seems. So uh-huh. something to work on. I would have, like to see how they work that out with half the guy, you know, the offense is all in white and the defense is all in uh, the black uniforms. Obviously with special teams, you got guys from both sides running down the field. It probably would have been a little confusing for everybody. So maybe that's why they didn't do it or maybe they just didn't want to do it. So, um, yeah. All right. So overall, were you impressed with the offense? Well, I'm going to get to, I'm going to get to point number three, Mike. My, so my, my, my three key points here, Bowman legit defensive line seems solid third. The offense was moving faster than I think we've seen under Gus Malzahn. It seemed like it was a little bit of a, of a quicker pace. It wasn't Hypel-esque in its pace, but it wasn't Malzahn-esque in its pace either. It was somewhat kind of in between. I think there's a difference between fast and tempo. 
felt like they were playing more with tempo and, and they were they were sort of ready to go on the ball. Uh, but it certainly looked faster than last year's offense. Now, let me throw a caveat out there. I don't know if it was just a spring game. They had things kind of prepackaged so they knew the plays they were going to run. It didn't appear to, to be a lot of in-between play substitutions. One of the things that Gus does a ton that we saw a lot is, you know, second and six and the line and, and the quarterback are looking at the, at the sideline and new guys are running on, running on, running off, right? It seemed like whatever the, the grouping was, that was the grouping that handled first down, second down, third down. There were a couple of plays where I saw them run somebody on, but it did not seem as much as what we've been used to the last two years where Gus kind of runs people on after second and third downs, uh, or, or rather first and second downs to, to get the right grouping. Now, again, that could have been just format of spring game. Right, like, hey, that's the offense. Figure it out, and maybe in a real game, they'd be more tactical than that. But it looked a little faster from a pace perspective. Again, not hypo esque, but certainly faster than I think we've seen the Malzahn system in the last few years. So, Hinshaw's offense so far appears to at least be turning the nozzle up a little bit on the up tempo and getting good, good pace and good tempo when they get to the line. Now, what about the balance between run and pass and? Were the passes downfield as promised? There was a, a good a good amount of downfield passing. I felt like I saw more pass than run. Um, and looking at the stats, again, I'm not sure how real they are. It looks like that's probably the case. Um, Tommy threw, what is this, 13 passes. JRP threw 17 passes. Um, and I'm not going to count the runs because I can't count that high. But it was it was it felt like there were more passes than runs um, from that standpoint. You did see some downfield shots. You referenced it, Kobe Hudson with a 70 yard touchdown pass from JRP. Javon Baker had a nice uh, look at this 35 yard pass from Plumley, and Deontay Marks had a 29 yard pass from Castellano. So a little bit more downfield at least early on in, in in the spring game than I think we're used to. Now is that the real offense? Were they just kind of messing around? I don't know, but they certainly saw more shots. But I will caveat, last year's spring game, JRP threw for like a million yards and 19 touchdowns. So I take it for a grain of salt, but it looked like there were some more downfield shots that were had during the spring game this year. How many bubble screens did we see? You know, I didn't see a lot of bubble screens. Um, I did not see a ton of those. It's possible I was in the line for the White Claws at the time, but I did not see a uh, an overabundance of, of, of the bubble screen, Mike. Tight ends over the middle, anything like that? I would have liked to have seen more tight end play. If I'm looking at the stats, I think I, I thought I saw one tight end catch. It's not credited here on the stat sheet that I have in front of me, but I thought I saw Randy Pittman with a catch. Um, Alec Holler had a ball thrown, well, thrown in his general direction. Uh, you can guess the quarterback. It did not actually uh, land anywhere near him. Um, I saw Grant Stevens on the field for a little bit. I don't see any tight ends credited with a catch, but I'm, I'm almost positive Randy Pittman had at least one. All right. Now we know about the JRP interception, but he yeah. also throw two touchdowns. Yeah. Um, Tommy, his numbers don't jump off the page to you either. If those stats are correct, I think he only completed what, like six of eighteen or something like that. Mm, so, tell you. Um, what were your overall thoughts on the quarterbacks? All right. So JRP, um, I think he looked about the same as last year, Mike. I didn't see like if you if you went to that game and you were like expecting to be wowed by the improvement in JRP. 
I, I didn't leave walking away being like, man, he is a much different quarterback than last year. You saw some good, right? You saw the two touchdown passes. It was actually a beautiful throw to uh, to Javon Baker back shoulder uh, for a touchdown. The Kobe thing, he was wide open. I think you could have thrown that football, Mike. Um, but he had a couple of those where he had he had a guy open and he rushed it a little bit and, and wasn't really accurate. It was a terrible interception. He was past the line of scrimmage at that point already. Basically, just threw it and gift wrapped it over to the over to the defense at that point. I think it was William Wells who caught that one. Um, so a terrible sort of head scratching interception. He wasn't live. So again, his scrambling ability was kind of neutered by not being able to be live. But here's the thing: I I walk away saying, okay, I wasn't like, oh my goodness, JRP is a different quarterback. But I also understand that he that's been a long day. Right, he played baseball ahead of it. He's, he's obviously been a little bit, you know, split in the springtime. So if you're going to judge him off of the spring, I don't know that that's really fair. But if you walked into that saying, hey, I want to see the improvement in JRP, I didn't I didn't feel it. He made some good plays here, but he also made some JRP plays that we saw from last year. I will say this, though. It did feel like he had a different different kind of command or energy when he got in the uh, on the field, right? At the first couple of series where Timmy and Tommy – it was kind of, you know, eh, here and there. Uh, I'll get to that in a second. But when JRP got there, you could feel a little bit of the tempo pick up. His first series was three and out. Again, probably to be expected, like he'd been off the baseball diamond for all of 11 minutes, I think, at that point. So I'm sure it took him some time to process. But if you went to that game expecting to see, like, holy bleep, JRP is a completely different quarterback, I didn't see that. Did I see some really good out of him? Yes. Did I see a couple of head scratchers? Yes. Is that to be expected, though? I don't know. Probably. Right. I mean, I think it's fair to say, hey, it's it's probably, you know, it's probably going to be some of that just based on the amount of time he spent playing football and what he had done that early day and sort of where he was at that point. All right. A three and out to start. But maybe if he's allowed to run, maybe he converts one of those at first down and changes things a little bit. So, uh, well, now. And he admitted as much, Mike. In the post game, pre- in the post game presser, he said like the first couple of series, everything was going really fast for him. He admitted that post game, so I think that kind of adds up to him getting on the field. You know, again, you, you would know this better than anybody. You played baseball, right? You're in the center field, you're kind of hanging out, shagging balls, like seeing if someone's coming to you. And all of a sudden, ten minutes later, you know, you've got you know three and a pounders chasing after you. I'm sure it took a minute for his his mind, his body to kind of adjust to it. So I don't I don't fault him for that. Again, he even admitted to that. But he didn't. He didn't pop out of the gate with like, "Holy crap!" Like John Rice Plumley is a different player. You didn't really see that, right? Well, he's not warming up the same as he would Correct. on a regular yeah. Saturday. He's going through all the football stuff, you know, going over the the plays maybe beforehand with the receivers, the routes, and all that. He's not doing that. He's going in from just now hitting a triple, sliding in the third, and then running over to the the football field. I guess it's a little different, but he's got a few now. After this month, one month left of baseball. That's it. It's got to be 100% football on his mind from here until August. And maybe that's where you see the biggest improvements. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I, if you want to judge him off of this spring game, I mean, you know, more power to you. But I, I feel like that's probably not the best, you know, apparatus to use to determine his his ability. Again, if you if you had said, hey, I'm walking in, I'm expecting to see a different quarterback. I didn't see that. I, I, but you saw you saw JRP in a nutshell to me. You saw some really good, some flash plays that had your mouth on the ground and you high-fiving your buddies. And you saw some plays which you were like, why can't you throw it five yards to the wide-open player that's right there, right? Like, you know, why are you throwing this interception away? You know, you're out already, already out of bounds do something there. So I think you saw a, big, a mix of those. You mentioned Tommy. So his stats didn't look great. Um, 
He was first QB out, so without JRP, he essentially was QB one to start the uh, the spring game. Went three and out, had a batted pass. Uh, Lee Hunter batted a pass down. I thought he looked more poised, like looked like he knew more about what he wanted to do and didn't look as um, – I mean, the last time we saw him, it was against Tulane where he looked like everything was moving way too fast for him. He didn't look like that. He looked more poised. Ended up throwing a nice touchdown to Deontay Marks. So you can see, I think, a little bit of that maturation at this point. But – Again, you didn't see anything that said to yourself, "Holy crap, this kid is the you know is going to take JRP's job tomorrow." I think he played well. I think if you said, "Hey, tomorrow he's got to come in and play a game for UCF," I think I I'd feel okay that he could figure that out. But he he had his moments. I think he had some nerves and settled down a little bit. Um, but he looked more poised in terms of what I saw. While the results maybe weren't there on the field. I, that might not all be on him, right? There's offensive line, there's receivers. So he looks more poised though. Um, but he, he, he didn't come out of here and say to yourself, man, we've got to like, have you seen in your, all your, your Twittering and your social media searching, have you seen anybody saying, Hey, we have a real quarterback controversy in our hands that, that Tommy Castellanos looked fantastic at spring game. Probably not. Right. No, I haven't heard anybody come out and say he just blew their socks off. No doubt. He's the starter next year. Uh, JRP has no shot. Basically, everybody has said JRP's probably going to be starting game one coming yeah. off that spring game. And, you know, Tommy didn't really do much to convince everybody else, but Tommy's another guy that can use his legs and stuff, and he's not able to do that in the spring game. It's completely different. Uh, they, they already had their last practice. I know they were supposed to practice after that, right? I believe you, you and I are talking on Tuesday. I believe their their official last practice was set to be today, and there was no media. There's nothing after that. So I believe their final practice, by the time you hear this, has already taken place. Right. So I'm sure they had a lot of things to clean up from that day. They've gone over the tape, and now they've made the corrections, told these guys exactly what they need to work on for the next couple of months, and it's going to be on them to work as hard as possible to be ready for that, that August quarterback battle if there's going to be one right now, I guess everybody has JRP penciled in as the starter, but that's only in pencil. It can be erased. And if uh, Tommy can somehow make another leap between now and then, maybe we do have something in our hands, but it doesn't seem like he's took the job away in the spring or on the spring game. Yeah. Again, I didn't see anything where I said to myself, Holy crap, we got, we got a controversy here. Again, I saw a kid. that looks like matured a little bit got a little bit more comfortable, a little more poised in the pocket, but nothing that I said, oh my goodness, like we've got a quarterback controversy. Now, let's all be fair, by the way. A spring game, they're not running out the entire offense, right? There's probably a handful of scripted plays that they're running at this point. It's a new system. So, again, to judge everything on the season based on the 24 minutes of football that we saw, I'm like, it's probably not the right idea. But again, you didn't you didn't walk away saying, oh my goodness, here's here's the QB of the future for Well, maybe he is the QB of the future, but at least not the QB for for you know, the, the short term here, um, Timmy McLean, you could, you could kind of clearly see the difference between Timmy and, and Tommy and JRP. He just looked a little slower, Mike, in terms of just, you know, getting out of the pocket and looking at receivers. Um, you know, as soon as JRP got there, we didn't see Timmy McLean for the rest of the entire spring game, except for the last series. And all Timmy McLean did was just hand the ball off to, um, to Cam Ingram. Uh, he had a couple throws here and there, Mike. But I will say this. First drive of the game, Tommy comes out. We go three and out. We punt. We get the ball back. And now we bring out Timmy McLean. And while he wasn't lighting it up, he moved the ball down. The 50-yard field goal was a result of the drive that he led. He moved the ball down the field, found a couple open receivers you know, on, a, on, on shallow plays, and just kind of kept the chains moving a little bit. 
we stalled out. I think there was a penalty they called at some point. So we stalled out, we back up, and then we go a field goal. But that kind of to me is like what I recall about Timmy McClain. Like I don't I didn't look at him and say, Oh my goodness, this is the like the pure gifted pocket passer of all time, or this is the most dynamic quarterback I've ever seen. He just seemed to make things happen at his time for the cows. And that's kind of what you saw on that first drive when he was in for us. He just kind of made it happen. It didn't look pretty. It wasn't like you were watching like, you know, an artistic football performance from the quarterback spot, but guys were getting open. We were getting positive yards. We we're getting first downs. So I can see where somebody, you know, there's that age old adage, Mike, where people aren't really good at practice players, but they get in the game and they just kind of figure it out. I kind of feel like that's what I saw to Timmy McLean in, in the couple of series that he was in there. Nothing that he did look like, you know, oh my goodness, like this is, this is it, but he moved the ball. He made the right play. So, but it's very clear, at least based on what you could tell he's, he's QB three, right? It, it's JRP and Tommy one, two. And it was very clear that, that Timmy's, you know, Timmy's in that QB three spot. All right. But that's all you really need out of a third quarterback. Hopefully co- the third quarterback on the roster never plays. If, if things go right throughout the season, you know, not losing injuries to the first two guys, you know, they're not playing so poorly that you have to go to the third guy, but it's good to know that you have a guy there that is able to move the chains and take care of things for a drive or a series. If you have to, you know, and you're not going to fall too far off. You don't want somebody to come in like Pete DeNovo and you can't throw the ball 10 yards. This guy at least is able yeah. to go in there and get, get a couple first downs, put you in field goal range. That's all you need sometimes. So that, that's good news out of Timmy. Now, he has, he's sticking around. The one thing I haven't heard coming out of the spring game is nobody came out and transferred right away. Nobody's entered the portal. Or did I miss something? No, uh, Not that I know of. Not as of 908 when you and I are looking at our computer screens right now. It, it is possible, though, that, again, UCF's last practice was today. So it's possible that some guys may hit the portal later tonight or early Wednesday into Thursday. Um, because a lot of a lot of teams, obviously, their their spring game was the end of their practice season. So, in theory, some guys maybe have have were waiting to the for the spring practice period to end. So maybe we'll see that in the next couple of days. But I don't I don't think he. I mean, I guess anybody could transfer, Mike. But he's obviously going to be on um, a whole nother. Well, I guess he sat out a year, but I don't. Was it a free transfer? I, don't, I have no idea what his quote unquote punishment would be if he tried to transfer out. But based on the scrimmage, it was clear that he was QB three. Um, but here's a conspiracy theory, Mike. Help me understand this. Let's let's do some of US, the uh, UCF conspiracy theories. By all accounts, everybody assumes at this point this is John Rice Pumley's job. He hasn't really done anything to lose it. Um, it seems like it's his job, right? Yet, on the poster leading up to the spring game, there are a bunch of people pictured. John Rice Pumley is one of them. Thomas Castellanos, another. Post game, JRP gets podium time, as does Thomas Castellanos. Um, you know, pictures that are out there, graphics, you see JRP, who's next? Thomas Castellanos. He's in a lot of the marketing, a lot of the spin around UCF's 2023 football season, right? The conspiracy theory will be one of two things. One, there's an option or opportunity that he actually maybe is the starter and UCF's just sort of starting that that breadcrumb trail of saying, don't forget about him. Or two, we don't want this kid to transfer so we are putting him out there. We're getting him FaceTime. We're getting him opportunities. We're giving him all the love in the world that we can so he doesn't transfer. Well, I guess there's three. We know that JRP maybe hasn't made the strides, and we may have to go to Timmy at some or, or Tommy at some point, rather, because maybe JRP is not, not ready, won't be ready. 
he's injury prone, whatever. And so we're keeping kind of Tommy warm, Mike. But what do you make of the fact that you you see Tommy on all these media availabilities, all these posters, pictures, tweets, graphics, just as much as you see JRP? It is a little odd. I mean, I don't see any NFL teams posting graphics with the backup quarterback ever, right? Uh, college is a little bit different, I suppose. Um, I think the transfer portal probably does play a big part in that. You know, people are very sensitive nowadays. If you're not getting the playing time and you're not getting the love, as the kids like to say, they're not showing me love. They're not showing me, you know, they're not putting me out there. I guess that would be a reason for him to want to transfer. So I guess they're doing that and they're keeping the competition open. So if he does one day become the starter, you know, they already, they already have all the hype behind it and everything too. So I think there's a little bit of everything in there and that, yeah, you mentioned JRP getting injured. Remember he hasn't stayed healthy as a quarterback in his whole career. So there's a possibility that both of them are going to play and start games at some point during this year. Yeah. Again, I'm not, I have no inside information here, but it's, it's, it's interesting that you see a lot of Tommy all over media and graphics. And I think it's just something to, to watch out for Mike. A couple of things that were a tad concerning um, defensive backs did not look fantastic. Obviously we gave up two long touchdowns. That also means our defense gave up two long touchdowns. On the Kobe Hudson touchdown, um, I went back and looked. Nakai Martinez appeared to be in coverage. Um, and the Jordan Mask was like the helping safety. And then on the back shoulder to Javon Baker, um, I think it was William Wells that was there, Mike. I think the defensive backfield, we've got to get that that situation figured out. Obviously, you know, they're trying a bunch of guys in there right now. Um, but it looked like the defensive backs weren't weren't as up to speed. Again, I think there were some injuries, some guys were out, but DBs didn't didn't look super, super impressive. Did you notice if they were playing tighter coverage? Were they the last couple of years we've been playing a lot further back, you know, giving a lot of cushion to the receivers? Um, did you see if they were up close or they're giving these guys room? How were they playing? I think it was a little bit in between. I feel like it wasn't as far back as the Travis Williams defense, but we certainly weren't in like, you know, in your face press man on a lot of situations. I think if you go back and watch the, uh, the video of the Kobe Hudson touchdown, it does look like Nakai Martinez a little bit closer to him at that point in time. And obviously gets burned there. So maybe that's why our, our guys were further back throughout Mike. Um, but it, it, again, I, I think we've got to get the defensive um, secondary figured out. We, um, I forget the kid's name, but we obviously have a new transfer coming coming in from Middle Tennessee uh, that Gus announced a boom for Mike, which I'll get back to in a second because there was something interesting about Gus's boom I want to talk about. Um, so we're certainly still bringing guys in on the secondary, but I think we've got to get that that part figured out. So that was one concern. Second concern was kicking game. Again, we talked about off the top. I, I know you know fifty yard field goal and Riker Casey, you know maybe didn't have the right spot right, but you know we we had a pretty solid year last year with Colton Boomer. Um, he's obviously, you know, injured and kind of working his way back. I think people assume he's going to be back and ready on time, but the kicking game, we saw how much that can really impact the team in a season, uh, in the previous years. Uh, and we thought last year we had it all figured out. Hopefully we're okay there, but, and I know it's one kick and, and, and that is what it is, Mike, but I, obviously the kicking game was something else that you go, Ooh, would have loved to have seen, uh, seen as nail one of those. Yeah. I'd feel worse if it was boomer out there missing the kicks but it's our starting it's our backup kickers doing it true freshmen doing it i don't feel as bad as long as boomer can come back and stay healthy i feel okay about that the defense is a little bit concerning now either they're gonna have to make big improvements or that defensive line is just gonna have to create more pressure quicker and i'm sure they 
all the starters weren't playing the entire time. They weren't in there the whole game. Plus, you're only talking about a half of football anyway. So maybe with the starting defensive line out there, uh, John Walker and company, those guys getting pressure up the middle will uh, give the, the defensive backs a few less seconds to have to cover. And maybe that will improve them just by that alone. Yeah, and again, in the spring game, um, Ricky Barber did not play. I, I don't think I saw uh, Trey Moore's brash out there. So two of the, the main guys on the line, Mike. Something that's going to confuse a lot of people, and uh, be prepared for this right now. Kaven Call, a true freshman, he played a bunch. He's wearing number 33. For a few times out there, I was like, oh, Trey Moore's brash is there. I forgot Tremont switched his number to three. Kevin Call wears 33. He actually played a pretty decent game. Like I saw him get some pressure on the quarterback. So um, that may confuse a lot of you when you see 33 out there. Kevin Call played a good game um, as uh, as sort of a true freshman. Again, we have we have reinforcements on the way. Isaiah Nixon uh, didn't play in this game. Obviously, as a true freshman, he'll be here in the uh, in the in the fall camp. So certainly some time to get that figured out, Mike. Um, o line. A lot of people asking about O line. Here was the starting five. Um, I guess this would be from right to left, right? Yeah, right to left. Rubel, Palue, Schmidt, Marcellus Marshall, Ed Collins. That was the starting line from right to left. Obviously, it was Rubel taking that right tackle spot. Um, Mari Kite did not start. He's the transfer from Alabama. Uh, Tylen Grable, who obviously was a starter last year, Mike, who was not playing. Uh, he was in shorts on the sideline. So that was your starting five on offense, uh, on the offensive line. There was a lot of rotation there. Clearly, Herb Hand and, and Henshaw and Gus are trying to figure out that mix. But, again, that's another position group that, while they didn't – Played terrible on this particular evening. Um, we certainly are still trying to mix and match and figure out who our line is at this point. So um, a huge part of, of our success in 23 will be those five large humans up front. Those were the first five out, whether that means that's the starting lineup or something will change. I don't know, but um, but we certainly need to figure out and, and get that line solidified if we want to have any shot of having a productive offense in 2023. Well, that's going to be the key. The entire season, offense and defense, the line, how they can compete in the Big 12. If we're getting blown up up front, we have no shot in any of these games. But if these guys are playing good quality football and giving our quarterbacks time to, to go through progressions and make reads and find open receivers and opening holes for the running backs, our offense will be just fine. If our defensive line is able to get pressure, then I think we'll be okay there too. So. It all starts up front, just like any football coach will tell you. For as long as football has been played, he who wins the offensive line usually wins the game. That's going to be the key for us. You can say the same thing every season you ever watch football. So that was the particulars around the game itself, Mike. Again, 24 minutes of football, uh, and then they went into the locker room for about three minutes, and they came out for the skills competition. Now, this part of the, of the event, I think, is available now on social media. I think UCF put this out there in general. This was billed as something more fan-friendly, something that uh, you know not a lot of schools are doing. And it was teased by Gus as saying the ending is something we've, quote, never seen before, which... I guess in theory, he's correct on Mike, but uh, so they come back out and the first thing is a, um, a, a basically a, a longest throw competition, strongest arm competition, but not with quarterback. So it was Kobe Hudson, Javon Baker uh, versus Cam Moore. And I believe it was Walter Gates. The third Kobe Hudson hit a 64 yard pass. He was the winner. I think the other two guys had 59 yards, Mike. Um, so a little, you know, a little fun there. Then they went to the punt, um, the punt return or the punt catch competition. It was basically O-line versus D-line. Um, I think there was like 10 apiece. I felt like that was going on for a long time, people catching punts. Um, and then they, they brought the surprise out, Mike, the coordinators. So all the lines go, and then they bring out the coordinators. Henshaw, 
bad. I don't know what he was doing, Mike. He took a step back, leaned forward, nothing. Uh, and then Aston Williams, uh, Williams comes out, just catches the punt. Defense wins that round, Mike. So what do you make of your offensive coordinator, who used to play a quarterback, by the way, not being able to catch a punt? A little surprising, especially mm-hmm. since I bet you his brother gave him a lot of crap on that, Tyson, because, you know, he would catch every single punt, no problem, to this day. That guy was sure-handed as it gets. But, uh, you know, Darren doesn't seem to be as in shape as he was 30 years ago when he was Yikes. playing quarterback. So you got to wow. give him a little bit of a break on that. Um, I, I, it doesn't bother me that he's not able to. Addison Williams got to be younger, in better he's shape, younger. I'm sure. Um, so he's got Relative. the he's got the uh, the advantage there. I think that was an easy win for them. Now, if Hinshaw had brought him down easy, I probably wouldn't have been surprised if he did that too. Because you know he is a good athlete. He was a basketball player too. It's not like he was just some schlub. He was a good athlete, but it's been a long time. You know, 1990 is a long time ago from when he was playing quarterback. Um, he spent a lot of time in the film room since then. Not as much fielding punts. Hit him in the hands, Mike. You're the rule. Hit your hands. I mean, so what he did was he sort of like um, he had like his front leg forward and the ball was coming and he sort of lunged a little bit forward to put his hands out and obviously close to the ground. Just uh, he didn't take it off his body. He really should have taken on one more step forward and then he probably could have caught a little bit cleaner. Uh, but it, I don't want to call him afraid of the ball, Mike, but I almost felt like he was like, yeah. And then, you know, little alligator arm situation and then. Kind of gave up. I don't. I don't know. But Aston Williams takes that one to the house. Like then, was it the off a punt, up, off a foot, or was it? It's a real punt. punt. Yeah, it was a real punt. Mitch McCarthy probably punted like forty times, uh, every single time. So this wasn't a jugs machine. This was Mitch McCarthy real punt. It was actually pretty consistent. I'll give him that credit on that. The distance was about the same every time. I think Lee Hunter's, which has taken off viral on social media, was probably the one of the deeper ones where Hunter had to backpedal and then kind of came in and. You know, kind of dove, belly flopped, and but uh, but but hauled it in there on that one. Outside of that, it was it was pretty consistent, but it was it was a lock punt. Like, I'm not saying he dropped it, but hit him in his hands. The rules mm-hmm. hit your hands. You got to catch that, right? Yeah, if it hits you in the hands, you got to catch it. I thought maybe he just didn't even get to it. Maybe he had to run across the field and couldn't mm-hmm. get there. In no, time. he was no, camped under it. Mitch McCarthy was pretty impressive with his accuracy. He got the ball pretty much to the guys every single time. Um, again, with the possible exception of, of a few that went a little deeper, but Hinshaw really only had to take a couple steps forward and he could have, he could have netted that thing. All right. I guess well. that's why he's not special teams coordinator, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then the fastest man competition. So it was, um, Demarcus Bowman, Johnny Richardson and Deontay Marks, oddly enough, who I would not have thought of as a speedster. Um, but a lot of folks actually, after the game were saying that they thought he would win. He actually had a good spring game, Mike. He got a touchdown from Tommy, um, but the receivers were a little bit weird. Trent Whittemore, I think, was targeted at one time, no catch. Amari Johnson did not play in this game against, I think, still nursing the injury from last season. Um, you saw Kobe and Javon with a couple of catches. Chauncey Magwood, who was my pick as breakout player, um, had a couple of catches, but not a ton of, of receiver spread. Deontay Marks actually got a couple of catches, Mike. So it was Deontay Marks. Johnny Richardson and Demarcus Bowman. Have you seen this video yet? Have you seen the actual race that's out there on social? Have you seen the three of these guys racing? I did, but there was a tough angle to see the finish. I, line. I don't know where they ended it. I saw he was pointing at, at the other guys running, but from one angle, it kind of looked like he was behind. So I couldn't really tell. 
I I agree. From where I was, I was in the cabana. Obviously, as you know, from where I was at, um, it was hard to it was hard to see. I, I think essentially they started at um, either the midfield or the forty, and then they ran to the twenty. Um, and new, um, I don't know what his exact title is. New uh, on field analyst or, or off field analyst or assistant to Gus Malzahn. His name is Will Healy, former coach at uh, UNC Charlotte and Austin P. Um, he he was kind of the judge. He, he pointed to Marcus Bowman. I mean, it's very possible that he won at the finish line at the ticker tip. I haven't seen anybody contesting it, but but Johnny and Demarcus were were pretty much one two the entire time. Mark, I think if you watch the video, a, a lot of the guys actually go running towards Johnny Richardson. I think thinking he wins, and then a few guys kind of circle back and then go to Demarcus Bowman. And Healy is pointing to, I guess, who he thinks won, Mike. So pretty close race, neck and neck. I think Jr. got a little bit of a jump start on uh, on Demarcus Bowman, but he had the closing speed. But I don't know if those are the three fastest guys on the team or just the three guys who volunteered. Because this is what was weird about this. This was an offense-defense competition, but it was all offensive guys. So not a single defensive person in the race. So in theory, the offense was always going to win and get two points there. Now, again, I don't think anyone really gives a rip who wins the spring in competition, but you'd have thought they'd have mixed in a defensive guy or two, at least to give it some, you know, give it some, some, oomph. I don't know who they would have put in on defense. I'm not sure on, you know, on that side of the ball, who the fast guy would be, but three offensive guys, Demarcus Bowman, uh, no shirt on, by the way, you'd appreciate that. Uh, takes the win, Mike. So the fix was in for the offense. I, that was the last event. It and was not the two points. No, it was not, Mike. I'm glad you asked. It was not the last event. At the last event was the event that Gus Malzahn teased as something that's never happened in the history of college football. The Citronaut came out um, in in full costume, and uh, he looked a lot like JRP's dog Kenny. By the way, uh, he came out to to run, and then they brought out Nitro on the horse Pegasus. So it was Kenny or not Kenny in the Citronaut outfit versus nitro and pegasus that was the last race it was a 40-yard dash for for citronaut and for pegasus slash nitro gus says you know let's go we're gonna line this thing up blah 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 and i blame gus for this this is gonna be a hot take i think maybe i don't know i blame gus for this gus said here's his count mike and you you're an aficionado of all things sports you you sort of know a lot of things about a lot of things right gus said one two three go he added in a fourth beat there on three citronaut took off right the horse by the way is a horse i don't know if he heard gus if he understood gus so that that took a beat but citronaut had already probably got 10 yards at that point and then he turns and was like am i supposed to go and the horse starts running so citronaut really ran a 30 yard dash and nitro and, and pegasus ran a 40 yard dash uh, but uh, the Citronaut wins the, wins the race, Mike. He actually got there first. He got mobbed. Uh, so that is what put the Citronaut over. It was a 43-42 win. That No one's disputing it, Mike. It hasn't been questioned yet. But that that race is, I think, what won the game for the, uh, the Citronaut team. Now, why was Nitro on top of a horse? Why couldn't he just mm-hmm. run against right. the Citronaut straight up? That, that part doesn't make any sense. Either that or no. you got to put the Citronaut on top of Nugget and even things out. Hmm. Great, great call. I don't know. I assume it was supposed to be the the spectacle of man versus animal as the uh, the setup there. Or again, Gus. Gus well, fair point. Gus really screwed this up with the one, two, three, go. Like everyone knows, it's one, two, three, or ready, set, go. He combined them both, which I think is the confusion here. So while again, not disputed, 
I don't know if we really got a clean race there to finish on the last one. Like, I don't, I don't know if that really finished up. It's supposed to be on your mark, get set, go. Yeah. That, that is the only way to start a race or with a gun and you shoot it off into the air and you go on the, on the signal. But uh, I mean, Gus, he's taken on a lot lately. You know, he's, he he's involved in the recruiting. He's involved in the kingdom. He, he's, you know, NIL, all that stuff. He, he can't be bothered with having to uh, race a horse against an orange and really give a crap about it so give him a little bit of a pass i guess but i just to me if you're gonna set up a competition straight up nitro versus citronaut get rid of the horse what was the horse even doing there let the two mm -hmm. guys run it out themselves and oh, is this bro. something we're gonna see in the future you know like they do at baseball games all the time the, the president's uh, in washington running around the park yeah. or you have the uh who was that guy the flash and the freeze. Atlanta. Oh, the, yeah, the, the free Mr. Freeze or whatever. Yeah. Um, is this uh, something that we're going to see on a weekly basis? Competitions between Nitro and the Citronaut? Mm -hmm. I don't know. I think baseball's done a few of those races, like on the, on the UCF baseball team. I don't think we've seen it in football before. Yeah, the setup was just 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 odd. I think they were going for like the you know the viral moment of a human racing a horse and uh i don't know who they expected to win there i don't know if this was in the in in the works in advance if gus messed up the script gus was the mc for this entirety which by the way just fyi between you and me mike gus not really meant to be behind the microphone he didn't really have it's funny he tried to do like as the you know the guys would come up for the punt return I think he was trying to do a little bit of that, like over the top wrestling, you know, announcer, right? But everybody was like, "Big John Walker," and it's big. Everybody was big. Like he had no other name. He had no like the nickname. Not real John Walker. No, not real. Everything was big John, like big somebody. Only on the defense and the offense, there was no nicknames. It was just just you know, Marcellus Marshall. But at, on the defense, it was big somebody every time. So. We had, we did get Gus a better Rolodex of potential nicknames uh, for his players, Mike. But a second hot take overall, I actually enjoyed the skills competition. I thought it was really a like after twenty, you know, whatever twenty four minutes of straight football, you know, and then a little bit of a break, you know. But this time it's you know eight thirty, eight forty five. Sun is set. Everybody's been out hanging out, having a good time, right? Drinks are flowing. The weather was beautiful, by the way. Then they bring out the skills competition. It was kind of a light moment. It was actually, especially the the punt catching, it was funny, right? People were laughing. You know, you kind of had a good time with it. You know, with the 40-yard dash, at least the, the player 40-yard dash, everybody was kind of into it, standing up, kind of figuring out who's going to win. I actually thought that was a nice touch at the end of this game. I, initially, I was kind of like, what is this nonsense? What are we going to do? The, 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 the first competition around throwing the ball, it was all right, but nothing really kind of caught you there. It wasn't until the punt competition. I think a lot of people kind of perked up. And then, the, you know, the races were kind of fun. Actually, my only complaint was kind of short. Like, why not lean into this, Mike? Let's go full, like, you know, elementary school field day. Like, let's let's put the bat on the ground, have them, you know, run around it 10 times and then try to run forward. Like, we sh they should have leaned into this, you know, carry the egg from one to the other. Like, they should have had more field day competitions, I think, would have made it more fun. But it was a good touch after the end of the game. Uh, you know, I don't know how many people took the spring game early on seriously. I think we all went to watch some live football. It was a good mix at the end. Again, my only, my only complaint is I would have loved to have seen them do something more, you know, water balloon toss to see who breaks it, that kind of stuff. I think they could have had a lot more, you know, old elementary school field game options. Maybe get the fans involved a little bit more. How about, you know, people they're scrounging for pennies over there. You donate a hundred bucks to the kingdom. You get to be in the 40 yard dash race. And race well, I'm glad you brought that up. So there was a, um, the first touchdown, I believe 
a fan had won an auction at the kingdom um, event the week before he actually kicked the extra point he missed uh but he came out in full helmet in full shoes Gus announced him as the you know the guest kicker and he shanked the uh, the extra point but there was an option to bid on uh, an opportunity to actually be on field somebody won that i think his name was zach and uh and not so much on the kick but there was an option so that was something Gus was already thinking about all right so they could have done a little bit more of that you know one guy pays to get in the, in the 40 yard dash. One guy pays to throw the football the farthest. One guy pays to race against the Citronaut. You could have made a couple extra bucks that way and get the fans a little bit more involved. How about some other things non football related? We saw them dancing last year in the offseason in the, in the meeting room. Maybe a best dancer contest, a little dance off, maybe a, a little karaoke there to end the night. A couple guys singing, you know, show a little of the personality of some of these players. Maybe you could mix in some of that stuff with the athletic stuff. I think the fans could have enjoyed that too. I actually thought they missed a huge opportunity, Mike, and and they could have easily leaned into this. What if you had done some sort of a home run derby slash wiffle ball tournament? You already got the therapy baseball tie-in, right? He comes back out in the field in his baseball uniform, and he's pitching to Lee Hunter, who's either trying to hit a, a tennis ball home run derby style or a wiffle ball or something like that. I think you could have leaned into that baseball, football, you know, mixture at that point in time. I just think there were more opportunities to to do something fun and unique. I, I don't know how much time that took in real time. It felt like that went really, really quickly, but I think they could have leaned in more to some of these like random field day activities. And you can't tell me that if JRP came back out to the football field in baseball uniform and was pitching to his teammates for a wiffle ball, that would have been on, on ESPN and all the blogs, all the social media stuff. So there, I think there were options there. Maybe this is a next year thing. I think they obviously tried something new this year, but all in all, I actually really enjoyed that that part of it. I thought it was going to be kind of annoying and stupid. I actually told my wife, I'm like, look, maybe we just get out of here after this beat traffic and get home and get to get to Burger U or get to Celeste or something like that. But after the first one, I was like, yeah, let's check this out. And then I, we stayed for the entirety of it. So I just think we could have leaned in more. That's all. All right. So now let's get to the important parts. The fan experience. I saw you in the cabana, but I also saw a video or, or pictures of you. You were in the, the Tower Club side too, or is that it? No? Uh, never in the, no, no, no tower club. No, no tower club for Radio me. So club? we, uh, no, no, I stayed on the cabana side the entire time. We got there, Mike. And I, I don't know if I remember this actually being a thing, right. But as you walk into, uh, from the underside of the cabana, right. So the bar side, you kind of walk out the 50 yard line, you see the field there. There is a, um, there's a countertop in front of you, right. Where people kind of yeah. stand up, uh, and that's more 50 yard line. And then on both sides, there are other countertops that are, you know, I guess from like the the 30 to the 50 right on both sides. The one that was closest um, uh, on, I guess the left side, if you're looking at it had like high top chairs there. Were those always there by the way? I don't think so. They probably just, I don't think so either. I don't think they had those little, those high top tables. And then actually those were there. Yeah, there were never chairs. Those were there still, no chairs. So I get there, and again, the, the first section right there in the midfield, you know, you got the, the standing up bar, but on both sides, there was the high top with high top chairs. So I was like, let's just say there was nobody there. So we literally sat in those chairs right there. So I was literally 50 yard line, right on that sort of ground cabana level before you get to the lower bowl, right in that middle level. Um, sat there the entire time. A bunch of people sat down next to us. Great view. Again, great, great weather, great evening. Um, so I don't know if those are always there. I don't know. Maybe we just get there too late or they're already kind of, they're already kind of, you know, spoken for by the time we ever get to the cabana, but beautiful seats right there on the edge. It was, it was fantastic. If those stay there all the time, I may be willing to get there early for the cabana and sit in those things. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. The only problem was people kind of hover around you 
So like you got to get up, take a leak and you're kind of like, all right, like we, you know, if you're with somebody like you both can't go because you got to reserve the seat up. Right. So you got to kind of coordinate that. But um, but great seats, Mike. I, was, I don't know if those are new, but that was fantastic. I don't know if they're going to leave those there. That's probably just a spring game thing, because what happens when there's drunks? That becomes a weapon. You pick up one of those chairs, you start banging people yeah. in the head with it. Uh, probably not something they're going to do all the time. And plus, if you're going to have a chair, I mean, you should probably have to pay a little bit more for those. Like, if you're going to reserve those standing spots, hmm. I could see, maybe. And then you don't have to worry about somebody taking your spot when you go to the bathroom and stuff. We had that same issue upstairs. You know, any, you see people leave. Oh, oh, let's go get those spots over there. It's a little closer to the middle. It's closer to the beer stand. or And then you're afraid to leave your spot. So uh, something they're going to work on, I guess. But what about the uh, the food? It was a standard hot dog, nachos, nothing uh, fancy. So up in the upper cabana, um, and maybe a spring game. I don't know. This is the future, Mike. But there was no, like, Sonny's barbecue, as we've seen in, in uh, throughout the season. There was one stand of flippers pizza uh that was it so it was like a uh like a i guess it's not a cooler because it wasn't cold but some sort of a uh, an apparatus where you went up and you ordered a pizza and she opened up this thing and gave you a hot pizza but it wasn't like an oven per se it was some sort of like a, a warmer of of sorts so flippers pizza nothing else on the other side so usually there's a barbecue there's like a um like a uh, I forgot what's on the other side. Maybe it's a Mexican spot. None of that was there. Was it just spring game related? I don't know. If you went downstairs, you, again, you got your typical, you know, hot dogs, nachos, popcorn, that kind of stuff. But up in the upper cabana, Flipper's Pizza. Like, no no Sunny's Barbecue. Was the pizza any good? Did you have it? Uh, wife did have a, uh, a pizza. Um, I had a slice. It was, you know. Cafeteria six, pizza? 6.4. I mean, it wasn't something where I was like, this is, this is great. You know, one bite, everyone knows the rules, Mike. It wasn't great, but yeah, it was, all right. I mean, at this point I was, you know, a couple of white claws in, so anything tasted good. I will tell you two things though. The, the beer slash alcohol line, we were flowing friend. I mean, it was like two, not even two minute wait every time, you know, you, you were right in the line, right up there, got your drink. The best part, Mike. And I don't know this guy's name. I should have gotten his name. I feel really bad about this. Uh, at some point, I had to go take a leak, right? So I'm like, let me go into the bathroom. I'm walking up to the side bathroom. There's no line in there. I walk in the door. It's just me and one other guy. And he kind of turned around because the door opened. He looked at me, and I was like, it's just the two of us? And he's like, I know, right? I was like, this is unbelievable. We almost hugged it out at that point. I don't, we got <laughs> close to it. We didn't actually touch each other. Uh, I should have gotten his name. Like, it was just two of us in the bathroom. Just literally two dudes in the bathroom. <laughs> that was it. Nobody else. No line. It was fantastic. Now, I think the announced attendance was a generous sixteen thousand. I don't, I didn't, I don't know if it was all of that, but um, it's that mixture between. As a fan, you want the stadium packed, right? You want the crowd noise. You want the atmosphere. As a selfish old guy, sixteen k that was really like ten k. Perfect parking was perfect. In and out, great seats, no lines, bathroom whenever I wanted it. It was perfect for me from a fan experience, but probably not from a um, an experience from a uh, a team perspective. So outside of that, fan experience top notch. Yeah, you don't want it to be packed for a spring game. I mean, come on, you're there just to relax. You're not there to battle traffic on the way out. You're not there to stand in lines. It, the way it was is perfect. You know, they had just enough staff for you to go get your beers, get right back to your spot. And just have a good time. You don't want to deal with all that extra stuff. Uh, it's not like you're you're intimidating the other team with the, with the crowd noise and all that stuff. So you had an extra space to spread out a little bit. Everybody's happy. You're not on top of each other. Uh, I think that's a perfect amount of people. 
and I have another confession. I'm not sure if I'm, um, I may be jeopardizing myself on this one, Mike, but I have a confession to make. So, uh, leading in spring game doesn't come with parking, right? So you are a season ticket holder as well. You get your, your tickets in your, in your little app there. There was no parking, right? So, um, although I was staying at Celeste, it's a far ass walk to the stadium, right? So we were like, what do we do here? We're too close to Uber. Probably not sure if there's a shuttle, not walking this thing. So I was like, maybe we just drive over. How hard could this be? Right. So we just had to drive over and I'm reading the parking thing. And it's got, you know, the lots that are available, E1, E2, E6, whatever. And it says 15 bucks for parking. I'm like, you know what? Fine. What are you going to do? 15 bucks for parking. It is what it is. Right. So we pull into the lot. Everyone's pointing everywhere. Right. You know, be over here, over, over here. We parked the car. Nobody came over to ever collect any money, Mike, from anybody that I saw. I certainly did not pay $15 for parking. I don't know if anybody else around me did. I don't know if we were supposed to, but uh, not a single dime was exchanged for me to be able to park my vehicle in lot E2, I think it was, where we ended up parking, Mike. So not sure if I broke a rule there. Not sure if I owe you see a 15 bucks. Uh, I didn't see anybody else paying either, by the way. So a lot of you owe 15 bucks, but uh, free parking, which is great. I thought parking was free, except for the one garage. I think it was like garage F or something was 15 bucks. Maybe that was a there sign. Was a, there was a sign out that said parking 15 as we pulled in. Now, maybe it was just it was in the wrong spot. There didn't appear to be anybody um, there ready to take your money either. The, the dudes who were there were in the field with the flashlights and doing the, the pointing thing. So I was like, let's just park over there. No one asked me for money. I got out without 50 bucks. Now I spent my $15 on, you know, on White Claws in the stadium. So you're welcome, Terry Modger. But I didn't pay a dime for parking. <laughs> I read somewhere that parking was free except for one garage. I think there was 15 bucks for it. I don't know why. Maybe it had something to do with the baseball and it was closer. Probably that one garage that's over there in between the two stadiums. Maybe they were charging yes. there. I think so, it was garage F was yeah, charging. Yeah. yeah. The one right outside of uh, the bookstore, essentially. Right. So, all right. So that's good. Um, the beer, the food, the crowd. Um, I think no, I- no hot dogs. I did not see a hot dog anywhere in the upper cabana levels. Again, judge that as you will. But multiple beer guys multiple beer here get your beer here called multiple beer guys milling about selling beer out of those like plastic tubs so you 50 for the ucf mike checklist here no hot dogs multiple beer guys though i saw a picture of a hot dog from the i think the tower side i think it was props yes. close to the picture yeah so there were hot dogs in the stadium somewhere they sure just didn't get any um all right. So overall, a good experience. Good fan. Yeah. Now tell me about the Celeste Hotel because I haven't heard. Of, I have never stayed there. It's supposed to be really nice. You said there was a yeah. pregame there. People were the, the bar was hopping before the game. Yeah. The room. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Really, really nice hotel, Mike. Really nice. The live show. I don't know if you caught the live show on Thursday. Originated from the lobby of the Celeste Hotel. They were very nice to accommodate us for a live show where Trace awkwardly stared at me for like an hour straight. Um, very, very nice lobby, very nice hotel, very nice room, great staff, clean um, bar area down uh, down in the lobby, of course. Uh, pre-game was, was pretty packed, some, um, some dignitaries walking around there. There were some former knights uh, that were there. Mike, obviously, the golf tournament was going on. I'll get to that in a second. A lot of those, uh, those folks had, had stayed there. Um, even a coach was staying there. I'll get to that in a second as well. Um, Overall, nice experience. Good, good parking situation. A little pricey in the bar and the restaurant, as you might expect in a hotel situation. Nice pool. Um, so uh, really nice pool. Three cabanas that were available to you out there. 
Um, good gym. I think you'd like the gym. One little squat rack, weight rack situation, a bunch of free weights, some treadmills, some ellipticals. Um, overall, a really nice experience. I'd love to stay at this last again. Here's the thing. I'm not really sure how this happened, but my wife and I go to Burger U before the game, and we're kind of walking around and uh, keeping a low profile, just kind of saying hi to some folks, right? I see Jan and Britt inside Burger U, and I'm like, all right, I got to go say hi to Jan and Britt. Like, it's a requirement if you're on campus, right? So I go in there, and I, you know, we have, I get Jan's attention. You know, we, she comes over, we talk, whatever. And she, uh, my wife was with me, and she was like, oh, my God, how's the Celeste? You guys are saying it's Celeste, right? And I'm like, yeah, it's nice. And my wife's, you know, you know, talking about it, right? Um, then Missy, Missy McAwesome and Joyce Rejoice Knights were there and they both asked about the Celeste. And I was like, how does everybody know where I'm staying at? Now, maybe it was the live show. I assume we mentioned in the live show and everybody who were like, yeah, we're at the Celeste. They're like, oh my God, we love that place. It's so great. Best hotel. So nice. I'd stay there one time. I want to stay there again. So, uh, I, I can't, uh, I, I can say nothing bad about the Celeste again, pricey would have loved it to be a little cheaper than it was, of course, but, uh, very, very nice, very easy to get to, very accommodatable. Again, if you really had wanted to, Mike, you could have staggered across campus home afterwards, right, or hopped on a scooter or something, right? I'm sure there's a shuttle situation. Uh, so an easy drive, commute, walk, whatever you want back. You know where you are. You're close to a lot of restaurants and bars down there if you want to venture out of UCF. Uh, I did check, though. It appears to be sold out for the rest of the time. So uh, if you're trying to go there for a football game, at least right now, I could not find any open dates availability, but uh, maybe someone will cancel. But uh, if you have not checked out Celeste, Mike, I think this is you. Knowing you, especially if you bring the family, you bring the, the wife and the girls, you, you'll be set. You could probably leave them at the pool in the cabana and just go rolling around on a scooter and just having a bunch of bunch of you know high lives and high lives and whatever you want to do and, and probably be okay. That sounds like fun. Sounds like something I would do. I but so there was no shuttle. I wonder if game day they, they put a little shuttle out there for people so you don't have to walk. I mean, I guess walking back is your probably only, only option, but walking to the stadium, it'd be nice if they give you a little shuttle from there to Burger U. You know, you don't have to take me all the way to the stadium or there to the alumni center, you know, something like that. Because where is the Celeste is all the way by like what the Fred houses or between that and the main entrance? Somewhere essentially, yeah. 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 It's essentially between the, uh, the main entrance and the, and the Fred houses um there's a garage in front of it there's a garage in front of everything though but yeah it's right in that kind of corner situation there's a new i think it's strategy road now is what it's called i don't know if that's new or if that was the name of it before but um easy convenient nice hotel good good service uh you know nice tv in the room if that's your thing uh, again pools cabana you know nice gym um we, i didn't eat a ton of food at the uh, the hotel uh restaurant we only only had appetizers when i was there uh, but everyone raved about the menu at at the Celeste, so uh, it's a it's a must check out, Mike. Even if you're just up there for a weekend, it maybe it's a it's a must. I think it look knowing knowing your scenario. I think if you got your wife and your girls there, you'd be set, dude. You'd be like, you know what, you guys are good. You see, if Mike's heading to the bookstore, I think you could you could be set there because it's it's nice, it's uh, it's it's clean. I think I think you'd be a good answer. Yeah, but like you said, it's sold out already for every game. Yeah, um, for the rest yeah. of this year. Yes. I, I looked it up too for homecoming. No go. No go. Um, well, here's what I don't know though. So I don't know if I said this on the on the on the show because I don't anyone's stealing our ideas. I don't know when you people book these things, right? Because game times are not announced yet. We're gonna have a lot of noon kickoffs, would be my assumption in the Big 12, especially at home. So did people book Saturday night into Sunday, or were they smart enough to book Friday night into Saturday? That's what I don't know. You may be able to get a Friday night into Saturday. If no one's thought ahead 
and figured that out. I haven't checked that out. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't do all that research just yet, but I'm wondering if the Friday night option, you might not be able to pop a random like Houston game or something down the road. Or they're just saying they're sold out because they require two nights. Is that the thing? Maybe you have to book two nights. Mm. I've only looked it up for the, the night of the game. Same. You know, same. That's a that's a great that's a great call. And perhaps as as the times are announced, people will, you know, uh, to decide to not stay there. So you may have to stay on top of things here. Really, what we need is an in with the Celeste. I don't know if anyone's listening, uh, but if you want to, you know, hook Mike and I up with at least just just one weekend. I'm not asking for the entire season. Give us one weekend apiece, and we're good. Homecoming, preferably. But yeah, just- I would take the first Big Twelve game. I'll take the first home game against Baylor. I'll take that one. I mean, I'm not I'm not greedy. I mean. I'll take what I can get there, but it was it was a great experience, Mike. It was super convenient. Again, nice hotel. Um, relative to all the other hotels, I know you and I have stayed at around UCF. I mean, this place beats it by you know by a mile. Not even not even a question. Yeah. Well, if there are noon games, which I'm actually rooting for, and the bright line is running by then, I'm going to save my two three hundred bucks that I'm going to spend on a hotel and just take the train. I'll be back home by bedtime, and I'll mm-hmm. uh, be able to drink on the train, hang out, probably watch another game on the phone on the way back. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to, but let's see yeah. how it goes. I, I don't even trust the bright line to get running by then. It was supposed to be ready yeah. last year. It's supposed to be running by June. I know they've done all the testing and all that stuff. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. Testing. <laughs> that's a train. Now you have to test them. Like, yeah. Uh, Celeste highly, highly recommend Mike. Uh, so that's spring game recap. I think we touched on all the, uh, all the high points. Now let me look at my notes here. Yeah, we got them all. Um, let's quickly talk, um, UCF baseball, Mike. I think we owe an update to the story. Last time we, uh, we were on the show. Uh, this has uh, been off the heels of Trace's interview with, uh, with coach Greg Lovelady regarding the rumors circulating around, um, you know, potential player misconduct, um, altering of bats, uh, that thing took off, Mike, um, and obviously created a bit of a firestorm. And then midweek, Greg Lovelady released a statement, um, which I'll, I'll kind of read in part here, uh, that says, after meeting with a student-athlete shown and viewing the limited context video, they imposed a two-game suspension. The matter has been addressed with our team on multiple occasions. It has made it clear both in the letter of the spirit of the rules when it comes to the bats. Uh, Lovelady continued, this incident falls under the code of sportsmanship of the AAC. We made a recommendation to the league and the AAC accepted and supported the action we took. We have no evidence of the use of illegal bats. So a little bit of clarity, Mike, obviously, um, coach Lovelady's initial comments to trace were certainly attack infusing, had a lot of people kind of wondering what was going on there. He, he goes on to further clarify. There was a, there was a video. I think some of us have seen that video by now, um, it's, it's sort of inconclusive, but it looks like a sticker being removed from one bat to the other. Um, a suspension apparently of two games was, was put in place. Um, the conference was notified and, um, and there's no other evidence of altering bats. Mike. So from your perspective, is this incident done and over with, right? We heard the rumors, got a little bit of, of confusion from, from love lady. Now a little bit more clarity in the situation. Do you feel like this is put to get put to bed and we should just move on to whatever's next from a baseball standpoint? Well, I don't know what clarity we have. Who are the players that were suspended? He didn't say that. Hmm. I, I don't know. A player, um, student athlete shown. So that's a singular. So it looks like only one player. All right. But a name would be nice. Um, <laughs> he made the recommendation to the conference and they accepted it, but then said that we didn't do anything wrong. Is that it? So what are we <laughs> What are we punishing ourselves for here? So I think, if I'm parsing the language here, and again, this is the only thing we have from a statement standpoint, it sounds like UCF's probably not going to talk about this any further. I think what you have here is somebody 
playing with a sticker on a bat, not necessarily altering a bat. And I know that sounds like kind of a weird area, but as we talked about last week, the bats are inspected, stickers are placed on them. Um, and it sounds like, you know, that's the bat that's approved. Somehow a sticker for whatever reason was removed from one bat, put on the next. And that was essentially caught on video. That doesn't necessarily mean the bat was altered. I guess if you really want to think of it that way, Mike, there's no, I guess what he's saying is yes, the sticker change took place, but the bat itself wasn't altered. There was no altering of bats. Again, you have to kind of take him at its word on this one um, and sort of the forthcomingness. But I think that's the, the gray area there is while there may have been some impropriety, it didn't necessarily mean that something nefarious or their cheating was going on, even though by the letter of the law, switching stickers is probably not what they want you to do. Yeah, you didn't alter the bat, but you put it on a sticker on a bat that probably was already illegal or else. What do you why are you switching uh-huh. it for? And if you're not doing anything illegal, why are you suspending a player? So obviously something happened. I yep. think Love Lady botched the whole thing when he spoke with Trace and said the things he said. He could have just no commented the whole thing or and, and stepped around it, and nothing further would have come from it. Um, we're lucky that it's just baseball, and nationally it's not a big story or anything. If something like this happens in football. It, everybody's talking about it. You know, all the – the radio shows, all the podcasts all over the country are talking about it, slandering UCF's name, how we're cheaters and stuff. Baseball, you kind of get away with it. I think nationally it's not really that big of a story. To us here, yeah, it was a big story. To UCF fans on Twitter, it got around. but And maybe some conference uh, mates, you know, the, the South Florida fans and the Cincinnati fans, East Carolina probably make a couple jokes about it for a week or two, and then you don't hear about it anymore. So I think we kind of get away with it that way. And now we're sweeping under the rug and just move on with the season. Yeah, again, I, I think we, you know, we wanted clarity from Coach Lovelady in what happened. He provided some clarity in what happened. Reasonable people can look at it to your point and be like, okay, that doesn't sound right. There's still some question marks there. But we wanted a, a statement. We wanted understanding. We got that. Um, whether or not, again, this is this should be something further that took place. I think we're in the move on phase at this point. We we win two or three against Memphis. We beat Stetson uh, on the road uh, last week. I think we're beating Stetson tonight. I'm not sure if we won or not tonight on Tuesday. I'll look that up, Mike. We were beating Stetson earlier. So uh, perhaps the, you know, some of what has been going on has been weighing on the team, Mike. And, and you know, obviously the, you know, the entire story and, and while we and sort of the fan base, you know, slash quasi media have heard about this, I'm sure the players on the team have been hearing about it for a while. So perhaps just getting it out there, getting it out in the open, getting in front of it, getting it behind you, whatever um, helps them sort of move forward. So still some, some baseball left to be played. Hopefully we can kind of move on to more, um, you know, positive things, obviously, you know, as an alum, as people who root for the sports program, we never want to see our teams, um, you know, sort of in this situation, but hopefully we're in a spot now where, um, you know, we can just move forward and play some baseball, but um, did want to at least update everyone who hasn't seen that statement. Um, it was in the Orlando Sentinel with Jason Beatty. I know Trace had put it on his, uh, his Twitter as well, too. So that is the latest with baseball. Mike, let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little varsity nights golf, uh, and then we'll do cow of the week and we'll wrap up the uh, remainder of the proceedings here. So everybody sit tight. Nobody go anywhere. We are the sons of UCF. We're brought to you by Gordon and What's up, everybody? It's King Griffin here, and thank you for watching the Sons of UCF. Sports Social Podcast Network.